Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Green Otaku Council podcast. As always, I'm Ace. And I'm McMillian. And today we're back with episode five. But before we begin with that, once again, as always, if you want to be a part of the council and join us every week as we discuss all things anime, then make sure to hit that subscribe button as well as follow us on all our social medias, such as Twitter and Instagram. And um, with that being said, the council is now in session. So how you doing today, Mamillion? Uh Can't complain, can't complain. I'm ready to get talk about some anime, as always. <laughs> well, all right. So starting off with the one anime we always start off with, we're going to start off with Demon Slayer. And today we'll be covering Demon Slayer episode five and episode six of the Mugen Train, the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so going forward, as always, spoilers. Um, and we're going to start off with uh, episode five, move, uh, move forward. Um, so within this episode, basically takes place where we left off in, from episode four. Uh, Inosuke and Tanjiro are facing off against Enmu, and uh, well, technically the whole gang is technically facing off against Enmu, but Tanjiro and Inosuke are taking up the uh, basically for the charge, charge, yeah, to go for the demon's head. And um, yeah, not much is different from the movie again, people. Uh, but we, yeah, um, I guess to like just talk about some stuff that happened. Um, I really liked uh the dynamic of teamwork that we got to see from Tanjiro and Inosuke. Um, if even like remembering from the film, I thought this was like a pretty significant act because we uh, barely get to see them all sync up. Like we get to see them work together, but not yeah. necessarily take on an enemy all at the same time. So I thought it was really interesting to see uh Inosuke and Tanjiro have to like team up and sync up their moves to basically get this kill. Yeah, that, you know what? That's an interesting fact that you brought that up because I think the only, even when they were like fighting the Spider Family, they each had their own individual, you know, mm-hmm. Spider to fight, so they wasn't really fighting together. And then, so yeah, and then at the end of that, you know, Tanjiro was fighting the Lower Moon by himself and thought he won, but didn't end up winning. He had to be saved by his fellow teacher, <laughs> the yeah, Hashira. But um, anyways, for I guess for the people that haven't seen the movie, this is basically the part of the movies where it gets to that part where it's like, okay, you know, this is where what we came to see the movie for. This is what we're here for. Yeah, the climax. Um, yeah, well, the climax. Essentially, the climax, quote unquote. For well, those the, who have, for those who have seen it, y'all know why I say that. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we get finally get to the parts of the movie where you know this is what we came here for. Um. One of the things that I do like about this is actually every time I see Zanetsu, I just think about how cold this man would be if not only he actually started fighting while he was not asleep, but if he actually learned more than one form. And it just got me thinking, how cold is the Thunder form actually? Because we only seen this one move from this form. (laughs) And yet every time this move come out, he fucking shit up every time, every 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 single time. time. And I'm just like, how this the the goddamn thunder form got to be one of the coldest forms out here, but we only get to see one move because I mean, it's Zenitsu. Yeah, no, and and uh, if you remember the flame Hashira speech, or maybe it was uh, earlier on in the season when they met the Hashiras. Uh, no, no, yeah, Rengoku said this. Uh, they normally you uh out of the breathing techniques, the most common Hashiras come from uh fire, uh, water, and thunder. Correct. Uh, so the the thunder breathing technique, I'm pretty sure, is cold as I'll get out. But like because of Zenitsu's, uh, not handicap. That's not the right word. But 
limiter, I'm, I guess. We only get to see the first one. But and, but regardless of the fact, because of Zazu's skill with the first form, we still know that it's some power behind these techniques. Yeah. And then, of course, the whole fight between Inosuke and Tanjiro versus Inamu. That that was cold. Um, as you said, we actually finally got to see them work together and fight a demon for the first time, one of the first times. So so that was dope. Mm-hmm. You know, we got to see. Um, you got to learn the form of Inosuke's breathing technique because I don't think he actually said it before the slice movie. and dice. Uh, I think he's used slices. Uh, I mean, I'm I mean, I mean, actually, his breathing form. You know, he calls it beast breathing. I'm not sure if he mentioned that before this. Oh movie yeah, no, no, he did, yeah, no, he's mentioned. If he beast, did, yeah, he I just it, must have missed it. Yeah, he called it beast breathing. He's called it beast breathing since he got introduced. Okay, just, I, I just don't remember then. Yeah, no, it, I mean, it's easy to. His is interesting because it's a, uh, like it's it's something that you don't see anywhere else. So it's probably easy to forget for that reason. While Tandro's breath, you, you uh, there's like two. We already know like there was people that used it before, but in this case, seems to be totally brand new or different. I would be surprised if he learned this from somebody else and didn't come up with it himself. Um, I would just be surprised. I mean, cause yeah, considering how crazy <laughs> and sporadic this man is. Yeah, and so that was that. Um, also, you know, one of the highlights of this of the scenes from that fight was when Enmu tried to trick Tanjiro into thinking he was still in a dream and to commit oh, suicide. Yeah. That's one that of my favorite part, scenes. Yeah, that that was one of my favorite scenes as well because you know he's he been doing the trick of you know cutting his neck over and over again every time he goes to sleep and and during the fight he been keep, he's been getting put back to sleep over and over again and he almost committed suicide but thanks to Inosuke you know he saved his life told him not to go all like that don't die to such a lame death which is understandable um mm-hmm. it would have been messed up if that would actually happen but as we all know plot armor um he's not going to go out like that um the only shows I would expect somebody to go out like that is something like 86, but <laughs> not, not Demon Slayer. <laughs> I mean, I just, I, I'm just glad that they threw something like that in there because yeah. it just shows uh, how much they pay, how much, I guess, the writer pays attention to what could possibly happen for their characters because uh, if he kept putting them to sleep and not trying to think around like how to get around Tandro's uh su- the suicide rewaking up, it kind of just would made Enmu a dumb villain. But it showed that he actually thinks before he acts, so he was l- lulling Tandro into like possibly ending himself in the real world, which I really enjoyed as just like a movie moment because that was such like a hard like ooh what's about to happen right here, you know? Yeah, and so they end up. No, of course they end up defeating the the demon. Um, Tanjiro and Inosuke's teamwork work. They end up doing a sim- not simultaneous attack. Well, I guess you can call it a simultaneous attack. Um, they end up doing a joint attack, cutting off the demon's head, and we move on to you know the train falling apart and breaking and falling off the falling off the course. I'm sorry, excuse me. Which leads into episode six of Demon Slayer, which we're gonna get into now. Um, so Demon Slayer episode six of the Mugen Train arc was the fight between Rengoku and Akaza. And this is when shit got real. Cause mm-hmm. this is the first time movie or anime you got to see a ex- uh, Ahashira actually go all out. Like we got to see um Giyu fight, but it wasn't really just all out. You know, we only saw him in episode one when he was just touring with Tanjiro. And then when he came back in episode 19 and just completely obliterated shot, um yeah. yeah 
So, <laughs> um, yeah. So, like this is like uh, Ace said, this is the pivotal moment of the movie where Upper Moon Three shows up and Rengoku gets to show his stuff. But not only that, like we get to see how threatening um, an Upper Moon actually is, because right. the whole movie Rengoku's been showing out like with min- what we could consider minimal effort, and now we see what it's like for him to give his all and how an upper moon just basically eats all of this. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. It really shows you, I, I, I uh, in the movie, I think it drove it home, but I guess since we're rewatching it, it's just kind of like, but labor's the point, how strong upper moons are. And this is like number three. So it can only be, it, we, we are, we know that there's two ahead of him and then. Yeah. Two below him. Yeah. And well, three, there's three below him. Because there's six of them. Oh, there's six upper moons? I thought yeah. it was five. But is oh, it, you, oh, you, I mean, you tell me, Mr. Margarita. Is it five or six? What was Rui? Rui was lower moon five? He was a lower moon. He wasn't an upper yeah, moon. Yeah, no, but I mean, like, what number was he? Was he five or six? Cause if I he was Because if he was five, then that means there's five upper moon. But if he was six, that means there's six upper moons. But, but I thought it was 12 lower moons, though. No, no, no. There's 12 moons altogether. Okay. That means that there's six. Okay. That means that there's six. Uh, yeah. So there's three. There's three below Akazai, and two above him. And so to see this character, uh, that we've seen do all this crazy stuff, and then at the end almost be, uh, completely outclassed is insane. I think. I, I think it was such a drastic change and such like a drastic shift in tone of the yeah. movie. That because, it, it just labors Mahomes the point like this is the big leagues now. Yeah, yeah, because you know you got that classic scene in anime where you know it happens to a lot of animes where you know people start fighting then they hit them with that oh I can't even see their movements you know <laughs> quote and stuff like that and so when you get you know when you know when you get that type of quote you know shit is going down mm-hmm. um and like I said you know this was the first time we actually got to see a Hashira fight and actually go all out as well as. No, first time seeing an upper moon as well. To, uh, up to this point, we've been fighting, you know, I guess, you know, lesser demons and stuff like that. And we actually got to see an upper moon and not just like, when, you know, McMillian said, not, you know, four through five or nothing like that. Four through six, my bad. We we skipped all the way up to upper moon three. Yeah. <laughs> so I can only imagine how upper moon one and two, how strong they are, considering how strong Gakaza is. Um, But yeah, no, just that, just that whole fight, because Rengoku... I didn't expect this type of fighting from Demon Slayer when I first started watching it. But then when you see the fight, it's just like, okay, you didn't even, because you know, you didn't even think Hashiras could move that fast until you get introduced. Well, not Hashiras in general, just Demon Slayers in general can move that fast until you get introduced to Rengoku and you see mm-hmm. how fast he is. And then you start thinking, well, if this guy's on this level, you know some of the other Hashiras probably are on par with him or I, even stronger. I think um, this fight illustrates, it, like you said, illustrates the uh, the capabilities of what it means to be a Hashira. Because yeah. this is our actual first time seeing one in full combat showing all of their stuff. Because I think it was with Giyu and Shinobu, when we uh, see them, uh, they're not being challenged. Yeah, they're just here. <laughs> they're just there, basically. Yeah, they're they're there. They're like, oh, there's demons here. Let's just wipe them out. And we think, oh wow, the Hashira. We we know already that the Hashira is super powerful because of just the fact that Giyu shows up and he ends Rui in like five seconds. 
but we don't get to see the extent of all that they can do until we get this example of what Rengoku can do against Sakaza. And we're just like, man, this is ridiculous. And But you're telling me that this demon is stronger than that, which is yeah. wild. And so they didn't get to the climax of this episode and yeah, this fight end, in this episode. End, so I guess uh, we're not going to talk about it. We'll wait till next week to yeah. talk about that. <laughs> yeah. And as I was saying, telling Ace off camera, they milking, they milking this so much. But I hope uh, the next episode, based on if they, I hope they're not milking it too much because I think what they could no. do is in the next episode, basically at the start, at the start of the true second season, the uh, the entertainment district arc. Correct. Um, that's you know, if they don't milk it, that's what it should be because you know, in the last episode, they only have left of the climax between Rogoka and Akaza, and then you know the whole situation after that, and mm-hmm. um, and then. But it should they should have enough basically they should have enough time left to show some new footage we haven't seen yet, some actual stuff leading into the real season two. Yeah. They should have enough time left and if they does if they don't milk it, you know, as you say. But um one other interesting thing that I did I, that I not did that I would like to point out from this episode was that um we also got to see um just the more how extensive um total concentration breathing is because Rengoku showed Tanjiro how to stop his bleeding using his total concentration mm-hmm. which was actually interesting because then it got me thinking well what else can they do just through you know their breathing techniques and stuff like that like you know that that right because I didn't even think about nothing like that would even be possible until I saw that scene oh, yeah. I'm just like you know what that's some fire shit right there because I didn't even think they could do shit like that and then you know here he go Showing Tanjiro a new trick. And I was like, well, what else can y'all do? What else are you hiding, Rengoku? <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, uh, it's interesting. It, it, it's, uh, I, I think uh, people are going to be very happy with the coming seasons because you, uh, not only get to learn more of like these new techniques that Tanjiro and Zenitsu Zin- uh, and all of them will be like going, trying to achieve by base. Cause they, the, from, from this point on, it's legit like all gas, no breaks. All gas, no breaks. All okay. gas, no breaks. Like, uh, the enemies are get, are going to be stronger and the stakes are going to be higher. So you actually get to see more of, like, the Demon Slayer core as a whole rather than just, like, our main characters experiencing this. You get to see the other Hashiras and all the other stuff going through. So I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased to say I can't, uh, that the Red Lamp, the, the Red Lamp District Art or the Entertainment District Art is going to be um, really interesting moving forward because you get to see more of like what the breathing techniques, all what all they do besides just allowing them to fight and such, just like uh, with this uh, the whole Tandro stopping his bleeding thing. Interesting, interesting. Well, I can't wait to see it. Well, um, as you guys have already you know figured from this, Mister Manga here has already read the manga. He knows what's going to happen, but I will try and keep him in check. And make sure there will be no spoilers no, on this no. show. Don't worry about um, it, y'all. <laughs> I'm going to try to give you a check. But the good thing is he can give us some small insights in here and things to look forward to. Mm-hmm. So that would be the good thing. But um, other than that, so do we have... Yeah, I guess we do have to do it. So what will we write these two episodes? episodes um, I'd say each of them is probably like... Uh, I want to say the Emu Fight one. It's really hard because, like I said, it's like if, if this was the movie overall, I'd probably like give this whole series like a solid nine. But I think these episodes um, separated together don't hold as much weight 
individually. So I'd probably say the agree. Uh, episode five, I want to maybe give like a seven. Like yeah. it's pretty solid. Um, and then episode six, uh, I'd probably have to give like an eight. Um, probably because of the whole Akaza thing, and we get to see some more extensions of breathing techniques and what they all entail. And then uh, we finally get to see what it's like for Hashira to go uh, to display all their skill. Correct. Well, no, you took the ratings right out of my mouth. Um, I was going to say the same thing. Episode five would be a seven for me. and Episode six would be an eight for me. Um, pretty much for really all the same. Uh, pretty much for all the same reasons that you just described. So I'm not really going to get too much into that. So moving on from Demon Slayer, we're going to head on to our next anime we have slated for today. We're going to be doing 86, episode 18. So there was a episode 17.5 for 86, but all that episode was the voice actors of Shin, um, Frederica, and I can't remember Raiden? the last one. Right? Was it Raiden? There we go. Raiden? It was Raiden. Thank you. It was the voice actors of Shin, Raiden, and Frederica going over some of their favorite scenes from season two so far. So we're not going to cover that. Um, but no, go watch it. It wasn't that bad. I did. I watched some of it. I haven't finished watching all of it. I'm going to I am going to go back and watch the rest of it. So. Yeah, it was a nice little thing. I didn't uh, I didn't. I don't think I finished it either, but it was I, I do enjoy sometimes looking at those. But we um, um on this podcast, I'm more interested in covering like the actual episodes, so we're not going to cover the, that on our thing. But I would say, if you're a fan of the series, just you know, check it out, see if you like it. Correct. So moving on to, we're going to move on to episode 18. Uh, would you like to start us off, Jerry? Uh Yeah. So episode 18 is titled uh, "Is titled The Truth Is." In this episode, basically, it uh, starts. It kicks us off with um, them actually gearing up to take on this basically the suicide mission of attacking the Morpho. Um, and in this episode, I feel like we get to that um, somewhat of related to the title. I think we actually get to see that the truth of the matter is that while they were reeling with the fact the the 86 were reeling with the fact that last episode is that they knew that they were going to be sent on this mission anyway, and they had the feelings like, oh, they're sending they're sending us because we're 86, we're the only ones that can do that. There were still people in the uh, the GI Federacy that were like trying that didn't want that to be the case but they knew it was like for instance we get to see the commander that assigned them to this mission um was talking with their like uh their operator uh and was basically like if i couldn't have done this i wouldn't have but the fact of the matter is that this is the best option we have moving forward Correct. You know, like like we was like I was saying last episode. You know, even though how messed up it is for them sending on sending them on this mission, they have the highest chance of actually completing this mission. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, it's a two way street. You know, it's fucked up that we're sending them out here, but they actually have the best chance out of everybody that we have in the military of yeah. actually getting the job done. Yeah, and we learned um, the reason that he that uh, that guy, the commander, uh, separated them up so they wouldn't actually look. Uh, as threatening of as a force as they do when they're all together Correct. to try Which and keep I, to try and belabor the point of sending them into you hot, know what super hostile I, territory. I didn't even thinking about that because I thought when I the reason I thought they were split up is because they were so strong, so they want to split their for, you know their strength up to you know apart you know to cover more areas mm-hmm. in the military. But I didn't think it was for the fact that they didn't want he didn't want them showing off so much basically that the rest of the military realized how strong they were. Now and that and that was a really good you know point in the show. And I was like, you know what? Because I didn't even think of it that way. I thought of it the complete opposite way. 
Yeah, and it just I think it really belabors the point that like G while the GI fetishy aren't one hundred percent without sin that they are they they are better than the Republic of Saint Magnolia. Correct. That they actually are trying to still treat them as if they were kids. Like they're not trying to use them as weapons. They're legit. Like these are people, and we don't want them to be seen as weapons because if they were all together, they would have always been looked at like as a dominating weapon near force Correct. and not like the just regular and not just like soldiers granted they're not normal soldiers anyway like people treat them as such but if they were all together i think the uh the beginning of this episode delivered that point really well is that they would have been seen as basically monsters, monsters basically more yeah. so than just this elite fighting force i mean even and even to that you know fact um, some of them still they're still not liked by a lot of people in the military it even goes to the fact that some of the higher ups wanted to kill them when they first found them because they thought it would be safer for mm-hmm. the federacy as a whole because you know as as we didn't uh, we didn't know at the time but when they took their when they found their um they call them reagan lease but i, I can't remember the the term the proper term for them right now but when they found their um machines that they used to fight and they looked at the battle logs on them they read the battle logs and realized how I guess, you know, quote unquote dangerous that they actually were. And like, you know, McMillian said earlier, that was also one of the deciding factors to split them apart instead of leaving them together. And um from that alone they wanted they was like maybe we should kill them and not keep them here because look, you know, look at this data, look how, you know, much battle experience they actually have compared to a lot of our other soldiers. And that, you know, that was just wild. Um another thing that happened this episode is Frederica is being left behind, even though I don't think she's being left behind. But we'll, I, we'll I think she might. Sneak. I think she might. Yeah, be we'll, doing we'll get sneak. to that. Yeah, but, we'll um, get to that. But um, for, so Shin goes to Frederica's room after before the whole um, mission starts and tells her that she needs to stay behind because this is basically a one way trip. You know, you don't need to be here, and we'll take care of your night for you. Um, so you just no, you go home and you stay here. Frederica is not having it. She really wants she she either wants to go with them or she wants them to stay. Yeah, one of the two. Um, um and she also looks up to Shin as a big her, brother yeah. as well. And I thought I thought that was one of the best moments of this episode because Frederica basically threw Shin stuff in his face and was like, "Did you not try to stop your own big brother? Why would you think I wouldn't do the same thing? Yeah, I don't want you to become." like uh Kyria. Kyria. And I was like, you know, this is a pretty powerful scene between these two characters because it's very obvious that Shin cares, even if he won't say it, it's very obvious that he cares about Frederica a lot. Correct. Um and that we all know that Shin didn't want his didn't truly wish for his brother to end up the way he did. So this was such like a um like a uh confliction of character kinda is like we knew Shin Shin knows he kinda has to go and do this, but at the same time he knows what might happen to him at the end of all of this. Correct. So yeah, that was a you know bittersweet moment mm-hmm. scenes as well to look at. Cause you, you got to see you got to not got to see, you got to realize that Frederica actually did build a deep connection with the eighty six and especially with Shin and not just they, you know, she really does look at him as siblings. You know, you didn't think that was going to happen at first, but she's grown to actually taking a liking to the 86. And she doesn't want to see them die, along with a few other people, which we're going to get into now. And um, I just want to say, you doubted my boy. No, oh, yeah. You no, I, my boy. He, no, he, okay, let it, let it be known. I don't, let me, no, oh, no, wait, 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 I, wait, before you get to it. I apologize to, uh, 
what is his name? Ernst. Ernst. I apologize to Ernst. He he is the truth. You doubt it, he my had, boy. He has okay. gone to bat for Shin and his friends the entire time. He is a generally concerned person as far as their health is concerned, and he is legit rooting for them every step of the way. I just, I, I had doubts only because, as we all know in anime, usually the most friendly person turns out to be like the manipulator, and that does not, and I am glad to say that is not the case for Ernst. Let it be known that there should be no Ernst slander here. slander on this <laughs> podcast, okay? Ernst is a real one. Yeah, he, told, um, him, anyways, he told him, come back alive. Yes, and then, no matter then he what. even said, if you don't, I'm going to destroy this world. world. I was like, that was like, there you go, Ernst. There you go. Which makes me think that Ernst may have a secret new kid in somewhere. But um <laughs> hopefully possibly. Don't. I mean possibly. I, I I feel like there are weapons. I mean, we kinda got to learn that this episode that there are <laughs> uh, Forgive us y'all. Uh Ace's dog, I think, is having a conniption in the background. <laughs> but um as I was saying, I think um one of the uh, good things, or the things that came from this episode, as a point to uh, saying that Ernst would destroy this world, is that we got to see in this episode that the GI Confederacy has thing ha- uh, might have weapons in because we got to learn about the uh, the no what's uh, I don't know how to pronounce it the nosen or the not the it's a it's some starts with in um but it's a ship that. Uh, floats right above the ground, basically, and can avoid radar detection and stuff like that. And that's what they're going to use to basically get the eighty six to the morpho. Correct. Yeah. There we go. Anyways, um, and then on top of that, you know, the lieutenant is going to fly the plane for them, which I thought because you know also along with Ernst riding for them, their lieutenant has also been. Well, is it their lieutenant or their major? I can't. I'm not sure what her title is right now. I call. I keep um, calling him the, her their operative because she kind of like assigns their mission and and looks out for them. So that's like what I call her. But uh, no, she's she's dope. I like her a yeah, lot. She she's also been writing for the eighty six, um, and she is also going on this suicide mission with them. Be that she may not be as in much danger after they drop them off, but before then she's in just as much danger as they yeah. are. Uh, they, also, that ship looks like it could crash at any moment. I thought that was so funny at the end when uh, what was it? Ted? Oh, what was it? It, it? Leo, Leo, and Leo was like, "Who made this crazy thing? This is like, and it was shaking and yeah. everything. Like they, I, I it, it's. Uh, I am really interested to see how this is going to play out because yeah. the way we left off in this episode, it seemed like they were about to be surrounded by. Oh no! Not even seen they. On the radar, they it showed that they were surrounded by Legion, and I was like, "Ooh, how is this gonna go? Yeah, are they gonna get that look on his face again?" Yeah, I was like, "Are we even? Go- are they even going to make it to the Morpho before they have to deploy, or what? What's gonna happen?" Yeah, so it's definitely gonna be interesting to see what happens. And then, yeah, speak. You know, also, before we forget, so um, uh, as we were saying, you know, Frederica, quote unquote, got left behind for this mission. But me personally, I think she snuck onto the plane. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know because she did not come to see them off and say goodbye when when they were starting the mission. So from that alone, I think she snuck onto the plane. Um, for that reason alone, oh, yeah, no, she a bad child. I, she and, definitely stuck on that plane. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll probably find out 
within the next episode or two here that she I actually just, snuck onto the plane. I just hope she. I just hope this don't end up like a Eugene situation. I'm not ready listen, for Frederica. Listen, to. it's okay. She long as long as well. I won't say as long as she stay on the plane because we don't know what's gonna happen to the plane. Mm-hmm. Um, from from what they was talking about, you know, their plane won't be as easily shot down because yeah. there won't be they're not as easily detectable. Um, but they didn't talk about like how durable it was or not. No, yeah, and that's and that's what and that was that's what worries me. <laughs> and didn't talk about none of that. And then the fact that it was it's still a proto it's still a prototype, a prototype even, that, even though yeah. it passed all the tests and that they were gonna start mass producing it, it's still a prototype. They never did get a chance to start mass mass producing them because when they were, um the Legion started attacking and they had to shut down everything and mm-hmm. fight the Legion. So um it's just gonna be interesting to see if, like, you no, know, McBenny said, if they even make it to the Morpho to deploy it. Bef- you no, know, can they deploy? It? Are they gonna deploy it before they even make it to the Morpho, or are they gonna successfully successfully get to their destination? Um, at the same time, while they're making their way to the Morpho, they're leading. Um, it's called the Three Alliance. They're leading an attack, a major attack on the rest of the Legion's um forces to draw them out from the Morpho to help, you know, help the ADCs have an easier time with destroying it. Mm-hmm. And they are also going through it right now. At the um, some of the end scenes, you hear the comms from the battle that's going on, and it's not going so well currently. Yeah, no, but, it um, sounds like a lot of people are basically dying. Um, it, this is the next episode is about to be crazy. That's yeah. all I know based on how this episode ends. Is wild, most definitely. Then you know, on top of that, we did not get to hear about anything from the Republic of San Magnolia this episode. I, so we have no, no idea, idea what's going on over there. Yeah. Um no we we're still in the dark about what it, we all we know right now is that the Legion attacked San Magnolia. Yeah, and they got pretty far in. Yeah. But other than that we have no idea how the progress of the battle over there is going. We're still in the dark over there. So we, we hopefully we get some insights to what's going over on over there next episode. Or the episode after that. So, no, somewhere here sometime soon. I'm pretty sure we're yeah, before the season ends. Now, I don't know. Now, um, speaking of which, uh, the end of this episode said the next one is a special episode. And I'm not sure Did? if that means. Yeah, it, I'm not sure. It, it, it wasn't numbered. It said special episode something. I forgot, like, the full title. But um, I don't know if that means, like, uh, we won't be covering it again or something like that. I, I don't think it's going to be another. Re- I don't think it's going to be another commentary thing because they didn't. Uh, they might say that, do it like a. I'm hoping it's not a recap. Maybe. But, um, hopefully, they're doing like maybe an extended episode or something. Maybe I, it's it's very possible. It seems like we're getting to a very huge climactic point in the story, so we can only see. But um, with that being said, uh. I guess we could go to rating it. Unless you had, did you have anything else that you wanted to mention? Uh, let me see. Yeah, no, I, I don't think so. I think we hit up on everything that's going on. Oh yeah, well, oh yeah, Ernst. Well, I do want to say one last thing. Ernst gave an amazing speech before the beginning of the battle. I just want to say that. Um, oh yeah, re- re- really inspiring. Got the troops ready to rock and roll. Um, but you know, but other than that, no, I think we covered everything for this episode. Okay. Um. So yeah, with that being said, yeah, guys, I think this is uh this episode to me at least is probably about like uh Senator Eight. This it has a lot of weight behind it. Uh from the point from like our side from finding out like the Jihad uh Federacy's leadership, even though it seemed like they were 
being unfair to the 86 were trying their best to actually keep them outside of ever doing something like this to Frederica and Shin's conversation um, that had a lot of emotional weight and story development behind it for these characters, uh, as well as the ending stacking it up seemed like this is going to be a no-holds-barred like suicide mission for the ages. Like it, Everything is coming up, and I really felt like this was a very strong episode, so it gets an 8 for me. Like, yeah, okay. okay. Uh, I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. Um, my boy Ernst this whole time, as all I've been, you know, I've been advocating for Ernst this entire time. He's been riding, you know, he's been riding for the 86, looking out for him. He's care, he cares for them, probably almost like his own children. You know, he wants to see them stay alive and live their lives and, you know, be happy, happy citizens inside the Republic of Giyad. And also, you know, their lieutenant, you know, they also, she also been riding for them. Lieutenant operator, whatever you want to call her, we'll, we'll get her title right here next episode but um <laughs> um no she's been riding for them as well she's she said as long as the 86 are fighting she's going to continue to fight as well so that was also mm-hmm. nice to see in here and um just the whole you know we're heading in the next episode be it, whether it's a special whatever type of special episode it should be hopefully it's a you no know, a regular special episode and not like a another voice actor type special episode that was going on even though those are nice here and there they just it would just be kind of weird to see those kind of yeah, back to back like that. Yeah, I think so close. Um, I think a big problem if it's one of those, it just kind of ruins the momentum that this episode built. Yeah, because a lot of momentum was built this episode. Correct, but um, so yeah, this episode definitely is building up a lot for the next one, and it should be a a, a major battle that's about to go down. Well, not even about to go down. It's already just going down. Now, technically, by the end of this episode, yeah, uh, it's already going down, and you know we get to see. It continue in the next episode, hopefully. And so, yeah, I'll give it a seven. Okay. And um, so, yeah, with that being said, we're going to move on to our next anime we have slated for today. Mushoku Tensei, episode 18 and episode 19. We're going to start off with episode 18. So, McMillian, I'll let you kick us off. Yeah, so episode 18 is titled uh, Separate Journeys. And it's another episode that focuses on everybody's favorite magical teeter- teacher, uh, Roxy. And we got to see uh, Roxy back in the Demon Continent, um, basically um, reminiscing with an old friend, or, or the person we know is the guy who tried to uh, take Rudy and uh, Rudy Aris's and Rujid's, like money from them at the beginning, uh, the horsehead dude. And at first they're reminiscing about the times when Roxy used to work for the Guild Hall uh, in the Demon Continent. And uh, him encouraging her to go back to their family, which I thought was so funny because I was like, this character was acting like such an asshole <laughs> <laughs> to to Rudy and them. Who knew he had such a sweet side? <laughs> yeah, who knew Later he also on, had a whole an entire family. Entire well. family. I was like, I was like, this uh, this adult man makes his living out of scamming children. His family can't be happy with this. <laughs> I mean, if they live in our, who knows if they even know what he does for a living, but I'm, all all they know is that, you know, bread is being put on the table. The table I guess, yeah. But, um, yeah, so we, in this episode, we actually, um, besides that, we also get to see uh, Roxy reunite with her family, and it, we can finally get to know the reason why she left her country in the first place. Correct. And it's such a bitter, I was about to say bittersweet, but it's certain. It's really it's not, not. It's not bittersweet. It's, 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 it's a bitter. sad story. I, I, the only reason, sad, uh, the only reason, with a capital S. Yeah, no, the only, the only reason I say it's it's somewhat sweet because as a person who's like interested in world building, this is such an interesting concept to me because basically, 
uh, not to delay the point, Roxy, we find out Roxy is technically considered amongst her people to be a cripple. Because uh, her people can apparently communicate telepathically. Did you have to use that word? You could have uh, used a different word. What did you? Handicapped? I, something like that. You could have just handicap, said outcast. Hand, you could have you used the word outcast. She's been using that outcast. the whole time. But I mean, te- but I'm saying like she's, but the reason for it is because they view her as handicapped slash in her society. So I, I'm not going to use the, the word group. Um, she can't use the telepathic communication like her other race can amongst themselves. And basically that forces them to view her as a said an outcast. Uh, outcast. Um, I thought that was such an interesting point as a person who's interested in world building because okay. technically she is a healthy person by all other aspects of the world. Yeah. In okay, well, help, help refresh my memory. When Rudy went to the village... Did they mention that they had telepathic powers? I, I don't think remember. so. I don't think so. I, do, I don't. I don't remember it. If they, if they did, because they were actually, you know, speaking, speaking and having conversations yeah. and stuff. Well, of course, they had to, you know, talk to them and stuff like that. But I just, if they did, I just don't remember. But I do not recall them mentioning that they had telepathic powers. Yeah, and which, I don't remember Roxy. Also, which I don't uh-huh. remember Roxy telling Rudy that either when she first when they were when she was living with them either. Correct. I don't remember her ever mentioning that. It, well, I mean, well, like I, well, you know, well, I guess she wouldn't mention it because she, you know, she can't do it. Yeah, but, um. but I thought that was just, I just thought that was so interesting because by all accounts, anywhere else in that world, Roxy is a normal, capable, functioning person. But in her village, it's like, you are, we, we, they see her, so I don't want to say as less, well, no, I guess, yeah, lesser almost, be yeah. just because she can't. Communicate, communicate telepathically, telepathically but yeah. she can speak and everything i i just was like wow this is wild what what really got me is that like as multiple people tried to talk to her and stuff like that you know via telepathically and they realized or just knew, they were confused they, they kind of they knew yeah they, they knew something was wrong but instead of just like talking to her they just kept trying looked, they just looked at her yeah, and, yeah, yeah and just kept trying to communicate telepathically uh i'm i don't know if that's I'm pretty sure that's not the only way they could communicate because, as we said before, they could t- they talk. To- yeah, when Rudy came to the village, even though he didn't speak to you know everybody, uh, he spoke to a few of the you know village. He-, he did talk to the village leader, and then I think a few other people and stuff like that. You know, like Rudy's parents and a few other people. Mm-hmm. But um, so just if their village elder can talk slash leader can talk, I'm pretty sure other people besides. You know, Roxy's parents also know how to speak as well. So it, it was just weird to me to see that they didn't even just try to regularly speak to her. But that's what I saw the telepathic wasn't but working. I, but that's what I thought made it so interesting is that, like, they had the capacity to communicate in other ways. But because she couldn't, it's almost like she was viewed as, like you said, an outcast. And I thought that's so crazy. I'm like, that is such a interesting and well done point of writing because anywhere else she'd be fine she's a perfectly capable person and human being but in her village it's like you you're handicapped and yeah that's crazy it's just crazy to think about like how that created such a big problem and rift in her life yeah it's yeah i just didn't it was like i said it was just wild to me that they didn't even try to speak to her normally that i just thought that was wild yeah no it's it's crazy um but Um, uh moving from from that point um Roxy finally goes back home and actually meets with her parents and it's a very bitter reunion. 
Um, at first, she doesn't even want to interact with her parents because, in a way, she feels like they see her as lesser. But in reality, all her parents wanted was to see her more. They correct. Uh, they obviously have love for her and everything like that. And Roxy eventually, just like kind of how Rudy and Paul did another reunion, she finally sees that in her parents after her mom starts crying, when she's just like, "I'm kind of glad that you're just here." And I will, yeah. will, will take this moment because she's uh, Roxy's mom the whole time while talking to her is trying to convince her to be like, you know what, we'd like to see you every three months or whatever. And Roxy keeps like, no, I don't think I'm well, coming she back. She said every she she even mentioned she was like, can you at least come home? You know, once every twenty years. years and I was like, yeah. damn, once every twenty years. Like I know y'all do live a long time, but golly. And Roxy like, the whole time is like keeps on no because obviously when she comes back she feels yeah. Like I said, she feels lesser, like an outcast. And eventually, uh, so Roxy's mom is just like, you know, I, I'll enjoy the fact that you're here today. And I'm sorry that you feel like you can't come back. She starts crying. And Roxy's like, I have, I've real." she realizes how, just how much her parents care for her. And it's this big, nice reunion that um, was really beautiful to see, honestly. And especially after the whole Paul and Rudy thing. Like, it was nice to be like, oh, look at that love prevails <laughs> um so yeah um after that you know they as you know maybe they said they have their nice reunion it didn't end like rudy's dad reunion the first time they met which was you know good um she actually got to have a nice reunion with her parents she wakes up the next morning she's just having a normal conversation with her parents and then she realized no she never didn't realize her parents tell her that rudy actually came to the village and then she put two and two together that the ex, you know, the, the that the dead end group that's been going around was actually Rudy and his friends, and now that she knows that the, Rudy is actually safe, she's going to continue um going through the demon continent looking for the rest of Paul's family. Yeah, and so, she's not gonna, and luckily, and she now knows that her student is in capable hands, so she's not worried about Rudy anymore. Correct. So, yep, she's not worried about Rudy. She's going to continue looking for Paul's family, and you know, keep moving forward. Also, at the beginning of this episode, we got to see. Rudy, Ares, and Rougier on the way to the central continent. They're on a boat now. And oddly enough, it was funny this time. Not only did Ares get seasick, but Rudy got seasick this time as well, which is funny because he didn't get seasick last time. But I guess because it was a storm this time, it got to him this time as well. Mm-hmm. And so they're both seasick. And um, yeah, so they're on the way to the central continent now. And that's basically what's Where? all happened for episode 18. Mm-hmm. So going on a rating now. Um, I'll give this one. I'll give it a six. Six? Yeah. I mean, it, we did have a nice backstory with Roxy. And we got to understand more of her character. More of the reason, more, yeah, more of her character and more of the reason why she left home. And we, it was also nice to see her reunion as well. And now that she knows that, you know, Rudy is safe, she's going to continue on her journey with help, you know, helping Paul find the rest of his family. Mm-hmm. So that, all, you know, all those facts and stuff, it was good. But other than that, it wasn't really. Um, this was no, this was just a Roxy episode. So I mean, I, I I'll just give it a six. Um, yeah. I, I, so my rating is somewhere around there. I was like, I was debating between like a six and a seven. So I was, I was saying like split the difference six and a half. Um, yeah, I, I think this was a huge episode in terms of Roxy, but not necessarily a huge episode in terms of the overall story. Um, but yeah, I think we really got to learn more about a character in a very nice way, and the world, and we got to learn more. Of, of Mushuko's world building, which I think it is honestly a masterclass, and it, in my opinion, it does it better than yeah, most things no, I've seen. Yeah, no, Mushoku does a very good job at world building. 
Um, a very good job. Uh, but with that being said, yeah, I'm going to go with six and a half. Um, and I guess we'll just move straight into uh, episode 19, uh, route, uh, route Selection. Um, in this episode, basically, uh, they've made it, uh, like I said in the last episode, we got to see them on a boat. They came to the uh, Central Continent. In this episode, they actually land in the Central Continent. More specifically, uh, the Kingdom of Shion, where Roxy was tutoring. Um, but before they actually got there, while still on the boat, Rudy has another encounter with the mysterious god. The uh, man god. The man god, as he's called by Rudy. <laughs> um, and we got to see the man god give him some advice saying, you will meet your sister in this town, but you cannot tell her your name. And to save and help her and Lilia, uh, you will need to write a note to your contact with Anne, uh the Xion Kingdom. And this leads to an interesting thing because us as viewers know that Roxy, which is who his contact is, is no longer there. Correct. So this whole episode, at least from the beginning, we're wondering, how is this going to play out? Yeah. And also, well, before you get you know, too deep into the rest of the episode, mm-hmm. um, actually, but, you know, between the whole interaction with Rudy and the man god, it just gets you wondering, you know, Rudy even says it himself, what is the man god plotting what what is his overall goal why does he keep we, well we don't know if he's only going and giving rudy these you know visions and hints and whatnot as well we don't know if he's doing this to other people all we know is that for whatever reason he he keeps coming back to rudy and giving him clues on how to traverse the demon continent basically well, well i mean the world to traverse itself. The, the world itself at this point because he's he's off the demon continent now um and you know, it just gets you thinking what what is his what is his goal cuz he even went as far as to say you know if i give you a hint this time the next time i come and give you a hint will you trust me and you know when he says that and i was just you know it just gets you thinking trust you on what trust you for what um yes you have been helping us but like the way you're speaking right now it makes me think some I'm pretty sure yeah i'm pretty sure he has some ulterior motive i, I don't i'm pretty sure yeah, he's I'm not, not just helping Rudy just to help him out the kind of his, kindness of his heart I, I'm just I'm, a little weird. Yeah, no, I'm not. Um, I myself am wary of him as well. Like, I don't know, especially after the events of this episode. But I, I don't know what, I don't know what type of entity this is. He calls himself a god. We don't know technically if he is or isn't. Correct. But like, he obviously has some plan for Rudy's life at this moment, and it's interesting. And I'm waiting to see where that's going to lead us. But yeah. um. I guess moving forward from that, um, we fast forward a little bit and we get to a point where Rudy and Aisha, his little sister, from uh, Paul's interactions with their maid, Lilia, uh, meet in Shion and he ends up saving her for some guards that were trying to capture her. Um, and we get one of the funniest scenes, I think, of, uh, in Mushoku's uh, runtime, where Aisha is like, uh, where Rudy... Uh, since he can't tell her name, he says, uh, I'm like this white fang knight type dude. And she's like, oh, that's a cool title. And Rudy starts asking her about her life. It's like, uh, why? Uh, she apparently was trying to get a letter delivered. She was trying to have Rudy deliver, uh, or no, send Paul a letter saying like, hey, come save me and my mom from the Xion kingdom. And Rudy's like, well, don't you have other relatives that can help you out? Like a big brother. And Aisha's like, my big brother's. Uh, is uh is is not trustworthy or not reliable and rudy's like what why and she's like well he's a total pervert and she tells him about how 
<laughs> While he was away from home, she found the box of the was it Roxy's panties or I think so. Yeah, I think yeah, it was Roxy's yeah. of the box he kept of Roxy's panties, and Rudy's like. It came back to bite me in the ass. Because <laughs> <laughs> the, the man is a fool. Why are you? When he first put them in the box, I was just like, "Why, Rudy? Are, are you this obsessed with Roxy that you go <laughs> put him in the box? Like the man is a fool." I just thought that was so funny. I was like, "Look, if it isn't the consequences of your own actions, right?" Yeah, here. no, it, no. It, that that whole scene was hilarious. Hot with a capital H, like it, that was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but um, from that point. Uh, basically, uh, Rox, uh, when I, uh, Eris and Rujit return and they get introduced to Aisha and Ro- uh, Rudy's like, Hey guys, uh, while she's around, call me Kennel Master, which is the title that some people will think Rudy that has. Rudy goes, yeah. Um, well, I mean, well, that's end. what they call him for some yeah, reason. For some reason. And dead end. And, um, so he asked the group to call him that. And, uh, so that she won't find out that, that he's his brother. Cause he's trying to basically help Aisha and Lilia uh and to change his name and to change his image of himself in her mind um and if it's if it's revealed that he's her brother before I think he can save her mom it's going to be bad basically <laughs> <laughs> but um so from from there after that little exchange um Aisha stays with the group and then Rudy is awakened in the end by a soldier of the Palace of Shion. And Correct. she said, and she's... But before you continue on with the, the rest of the explanation, one scene that I do want to point out from that, um, from that one interaction I want to point out from that scene is um, when Rudy does get back and tell them that Aisha and Lilia is captured in the, have been, has been held captive here in the kingdom and stuff like that. Eris <laughs> is like, well, let's just go. You know, okay, if that's the case, let's just go bust right on in. And then Rujit is like, well, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't assaulted a, a council in a long time. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. And then they both like they look. I mean, Eris and Rujit, they on one accord. They ready to rock and roll, <laughs> and they heading out the door. And, and Rudy's just like, hold on, wait a minute. We know, just calm we don't down. Wanna, we just, don't want to make an enemy of the whole kingdom now. Like, <laughs> they just like calm down. And and both Eris and um. And Rougier are just looking sad, like I really wanted to break the castle. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I just thought that I just thought that was so hilarious. To yeah, me. no, I was thank like, you. Rougier, I forgot about that. Yeah, I was just like, if anybody knew better, Rougier, come on now. I thought you would no, I thought you was the level headed winner out of the group now. Come on now. <laughs> the sage advice giver, yeah. Uh but uh moving forward from that point, uh so after that the next day, uh a Guard comes from the castle she owned, claiming that Roxy sent her to retrieve Rudy. Uh, Rudy, being so excited, doesn't even question it for a second, follows her all the way to the kingdom inside these chambers. And uh, when they finally reach the castle, they enter these chambers that the prince of Shion, uh that we got to see early on in season one that Roxy wrote a, le- a letter to Rudy about that she was training, uh, is there. And he has Lilia tied up on the floor. And Rudy is like, well, what's going on here? Where's Roxy and all this? And before he has even a chance to like react to what he sees, uh, they remove the floor from basically under him and he falls into a pit, uh, essentially being trapped. <laughs> and probably leads to the most second hilarious scene in this show, in this episode, we get to meet Pax Shion, the little brat who is the seventh prince in line for the throne. Now, <laughs> Now, from early episodes, I knew he was a fool, but this man is a, a real fool. This <laughs> kid has issues. 
he he so the the trap he had the pit he has Rudy trapped in right now is a barrier built for king, Magic a, a king class magician. He yeah. built it specifically to trap Roxy. um Roxy so he could make her, her his sex slave. And my thing is how is how do you think you're going to accomplish that with with this pit alone? Cuz like well, one, you will. How are if you're gonna do that? You will all. You will always have to go inside into the pit. But then, two, if you to get inside, maybe to, it, that's a barrier. Would you not have to let that barrier down to even get to her? Like I'm so confused. And then, you know, if you do have to let the barrier down, what do you think is gonna happen once the barrier does come down? Like I'm just so confused at this, how you think. I mean, this I, trap. Rudy said it himself. How is Roxy gonna know that I'm here? And Pax was like. I don't got an answer for that question. <laughs> well, basically, his answer was basically Roxy's a smart girl. She'll figure, figure it, out. it out. I was like, this mother. <laughs> and I was like, that's not how that works, works Pex. Um, at all. If people are trapped, how is like if nobody's going to know that they're trapped if the word doesn't get out that they're trapped. Unless like the only people that's going to know something's wrong right now is Aries and Rougier. That's that's the only people that's gonna know. Yeah, because for instance, he was an uh, uh, example. He was he was like, "Well, you came to save Lilia," and I was like, "Yeah, but he only knew about that because a god told him." It wasn't like even, you were, if, it even was a, if he didn't know about that, like it was, it was he came for Roxy. He didn't come for Lilia. You know what? That's I mean? true. So, that's also true. But I'm saying like the reason. Well, well, okay, well I take that he, back. If, if, yeah. Well, well, no, I'm sorry. I said it right. If he did not know about, you know, if he didn't get the insight from the man guy, he would have been coming for Roxy and not for Lilia. You know what I mean? So it's just. I like, know, but the, the, what Pax said, Pax assumed that he had come to save Lilia because of his letter. But I was like, technically, he didn't ever know if if the guy didn't tell him, he wouldn't have even known about Lilia. Correct. <laughs> so, so it's just. So Pax is a fool. Um, I'm but. Um, like we mentioned earlier, though, uh, these events have happened due to what the man God told Rudy to do. And Rudy is left wondering by the end of this episode. Now, if the man God is tr- uh, what what the man God's plans for him are, because so far he's been nothing but beneficial. But now this one time has led him into a trap. And so he's wondering what's going to happen moving forward and if he can actually now trust the man God after it. Yeah, I'm, like I said before, I just, I personally, I'm like, I'm skeptical. I'm very skeptical of him. Like, but he, he is up to something. But as I was uh, telling, my, I was, I was having like an internal like little dialogue with myself uh, after this episode was over. In my head, I'm like, technically, you have to, in this situation, if I was in it, I'd still think I would try and act with the interest in mind that he has not led me astray yet. So I'd have some faith in it, but I would be questioning things. Like, I don't think Rudy's wrong to question him, but I will be like, I would probably be like, you know, he hasn't let me wrong yet. So let's see how this plays out. But I would be very cautious moving forward. Yeah, because, I mean, he led him straight to Ayesha, you know, like he said he would. And then he technically even led him straight to Lily as well. So, Mm -hmm. I mean... He found the two people that he said he would find. It's just that some, you know, he ended up in a a pit. Yeah, but I so, guess you know maybe Eris Rougier would get the Raider Castle like they wanted they want to. to. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I think I think this is going to be so funny because I think uh, if Rougier and Eris have to come save Rudy, especially no, with on, Aisha, well, you continue. I'll be right back. Okay, especially with Aisha in tow. 
I think this is going to be hilarious because Aisha is then going to <laughs> think that Rudy's uh, useless again when she sees the fact that uh, he had to be saved and he didn't save her mother um, from basically the goings-on in the castle. It's going to be um, a really interesting point uh, moving forward from that. Great art made it back just in time. Um, so yeah, well, moving on to the rating for this episode. Peck, Pex is also a fool. I just want to say that again. Um, moving True. on to the rating for this episode. Uh, I think I will give it a seven. Um, it was a lot of you know we get one of the main world building aspects we got from this from this episode was. The fact that there may be some deeper meaning to behind the man God actually helping Rudy, and I just thought that was so interesting because you know this at, up until now we really didn't have a reason to you know I guess suspect him of anything. Um, even though you know just you could have been suspecting of him if you you know a cautious person, but I mean really just up until now there really wasn't much reason to suspect that he was up to something. But definitely after this episode, I feel like he's up to something, and um. It's also going to be interesting to see how does Rudy get out of this situation that he's in now. And so I'll give this episode a seven. I'd um, tell him, honestly, I was still saying in my head when you, when you said ratings, I was like, I think I'll give this episode a seven as well. Uh, it had, it pushed a plot forward, um, did a nice job of world building and giving us an insight to like of what, uh, Roxy's other student is like, uh, <laughs> as well as uh, some very entertaining moments and laughs uh, this episode. So, yeah, I had to go with the seven uh, for episode 19 of Shuko. All right. So that was the end of all the animes we had slated for today for episode five. But before we leave, we're going to talk about a few things that's been going on in the anime world. So one of the first topics I want to discuss is there had there had just released today there has been a new key visual shown for my hero season six um featuring deku and tomaru it's a nice little image um so have you read the did not you that read? far no i haven't gotten okay. that far i stopped after basically um everything we saw last season so i'm completely okay. blind kind of like i know certain things i think that are going to have coming up um but like we said before Oh, I mean, technically they don't know, but we had a rough draft of our podcast uh, going out for a while to our friends before we went live. Uh, on one of the episodes, we covered uh, basically the My Villain Academia arc, and we said that moving forward, stuff is going to get crazy uh, for our heroes in training. And basically, right. this key visual kind of confirms that because it's, yes. it's, uh, it's pretty striking. So Yeah, um, it features... What look what it appears to be, since our, my friend here doesn't like claiming things, it appears to be, in my opinion, one hundred percent Deku, and who knows what power Tombor has? Because you know we know we know he got a power and, boost, yeah, but by the end of um, uh, the villain arc, so correct. But in this key visual that they shown, Tombor is like just glowing and radi- radiating with energy and stuff. It's actually kind of kind of discerning because uh you know like we said before well no well i don't think it was like like you said it was that was in a rough draft but um tomura was already dangerous with his quirk alone and just 
you know, just the fact that his quirk is expanding and he's getting even more powers now from the doctor. It's just kind of kind of worrying, you know, what, you know, how dangerous this man is actually going to be. So um, definitely can't wait for season six. You know, as I as I predicted, you know, it should the wait between seasons shouldn't be as long as it was before because the the manga is actually coming to an end. My Hero Academia, the manga version is actually coming to an end here soon. Um, it will continue, but it just won't be My Hero Academia. It'll be My Hero something, something else. else, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So with that being said, the the breaks between seasons should not be as long, even though they will still be breaks because it's a seasonal anime. They just shouldn't be not as long mm-hmm. since the fact since the source material is actually coming, you know, wrap, wrapping on up. Um, so, yeah, that was that. Also, yesterday, the 1000th episode of One Piece aired. Hooray. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it was it was a it was a nice episode. Um, I just, you know, I. I'm going to go ahead and say this now. I, I didn't think I was going to have to say this, but I've been seeing a lot of stuff on Twitter. And um, I just want to say this. Um, this episode was not for regular anime watchers, just random anime watchers. <laughs> this episode was for the One Piece fans. It wasn't an episode for somebody to just see the, you know, see the promo. Oh, episode 1000. Let me go check that out. This wasn't for y'all. This was for us. Okay. I just want to point that. I just want to go and get that out the way. I didn't think I would have to say that, but it, it must be said. This was not for y'all. This was for us. Okay. This was for the fans. This is for the people that's been here since episode one they to also, episode 1000. Did they also, okay? uh, I don't know if it was announced yes if it was us, if it was announced at the same time, but, uh, uh, Shake's movie is supposed to be coming too. Correct. Right? Yes. I'll, thank you. I almost, I almost, I didn't. I almost forgot to bring that up as well. But yes, there's there's also a new One Piece movie about. It's called right now. The movie is called One Piece um, Film Red. They may or may not be the final title. I'm pretty sure it. Well, I'm not pretty sure. It, like I said before, it may or may not be the final title. But it's a movie about Shanks. Um, this movie might be canon. Um, I'm hoping it is that it will be canon, but we don't know. Um, too much details about it just yet. We only got like a little teaser image and a little small teaser video for it. Um, letting us know that it's about Shanks, and then there was some other female character in the little teaser video as well. Um, so definitely looking forward to that. It's releasing next year on August, August the sixth, if I'm not mistaken, of the year 2022. And I'm definitely looking forward to that. We'll be covering that once that comes out next year. Um, so yeah, you know. Congratulations to One Piece. You know, you hit the milestone of episode 1000. Did not think it would ever reach a thousand episodes. It was definitely nice, you know, alone, you know, to come be here for, you know, to be here for the ride. You know, as I said before, One Piece is definitely my favorite anime. And um, it's, we, we've been through a lot with this anime from episode one to a thousand. And, you know, we're here. And so, yeah. Um, that was everything I had for today. You have everything else, Amelia? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I didn't really have anything special. You get the One Piece stuff out of the way. I know that's your <laughs> thing, so rock, rock it, my guy, rock it. Uh, it's all right. One day, I'm just, I'm just going to start putting <laughs> One Piece segments at the end of every episode. <laughs> just going to come, just going to come bust out at, during the One Piece segments with my straw hat. <laughs> uh, okay, well. Take us on out, Dan Million. Yep. Uh, so thank you guys for watching and attending uh, this council meeting. As always, uh, if you enjoy watching us, please hit that subscribe button. Also, if you're listening to this on any uh, 
podcast streaming services, please go ahead and hit that follow or subscribe button uh, and consider, you know, rating us highly. Um, if you would like to stay up to date with any news from the Gurren Otaku Council, be sure to follow us on our social medias. That is at the Gurren Otaku, at uh, Gurren Otakus on Twitter and uh, Gurren Otaku Council on Instagram, um, where we update, give updates and previews for the episodes and stuff like that. Um, with all that being said, uh, meeting is now adjourned. Peace, everybody. Peace. Yeah,